0: Uh, well, I am sure that we've all seen those ads. Uh, you know, the ones with the, the large attention-grabbing headline, offering some sensational deal designed to lure you in. But then, of course, when you actually take a closer look, you find in tiny little writing some disclaimer, you know, usually at the bottom of the ad somewhere, that outlines the, the generally less attractive terms and conditions of the offer. Like, for example, the other day, Uh, when I was in Westfields, and I I saw a sign for men's shirts. In big, bold text, it read, 30% off. Wow, I thought, that's a good deal. (laughs) And so I went on over to have a closer look. When I got there, of course, I saw in small, tiny little text underneath, you know, at the bottom of the ad, when you buy two or more items. And I'm like, (laughs) (laughs) Suddenly, this wonderful deal didn't seem quite so appealing after all. It's like someone once said, the big print giveth and the fine print taketh away. (laughs) But when it comes to Jesus, and when it comes to what Jesus offers us, there is no fine print. There, There are no hidden advertising tricks, no hidden terms and conditions. Now as we'll see today, Jesus is very, very upfront with his terms and conditions. He is absolutely clear that if you want to follow him, then the cost to you personally will be huge, massive. Today we're going to be looking together at the second half of Matthew chapter 8. If you don't already have that part of the Bible open in front of you, can I encourage you to grab a Bible now. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 8. It's page 686 of the small print or 1507 of the large print Bibles. Matthew chapter 8 from verse 18. And uh, let me remind you where we're up to in the Gospel of Matthew. Uh, Jesus has now finished his Sermon on the Mount. He's come back down the mountain and he's been healing uh, lots of people and he's been casting out demons. and, And so now word has gotten out about him. I guess everybody's been tweeting and texting and Facebooking and word's gotten out and now everybody's flocking to Jesus in droves. But then when uh, Jesus sees the great crowds of people, he decides that it's time for him to get in a boat and to take off for a little while, to go to the other side of Lake Galilee. And so he gives orders that a boat be made ready. But while that's happening... A couple of men come and speak with Jesus, both of whom are interested in coming with Jesus. They're two would-be followers. Uh, The first man is a teacher of the law, and he says to Jesus, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. In other words, if you're going across that sea, I want to come with you. Wherever you are, I just want to be there. I want to follow you which is pretty impressive, isn't it? And you almost expect Jesus at this point to to smile at at this man and say, you know, good on you sport, come on, let's go. But he doesn't. Instead, Jesus turns to the man and he takes the opportunity to clearly spell out to him what it will mean if this man wants to follow him. Jesus says to the man, if you really want to follow me, then there's something you need to understand. Uh, Foxes, they've got their homes in the ground. Uh, Birds, well, they've got their homes in nests. But me, well, I don't have any nice, warm, comfy bed to lay my head on each night. In other words, if you really want to follow me, then you need to realise it is going to cost you. We're going to be out living on the road, you see. And so it's going to cost you the comfort and security of your home. So are you really sure that you want to follow me? Well, it's then that the second would-be follower breaks in and says to Jesus, Look, Jesus, I too, I really, really want to follow you. Um, But there's something I've just got to do first. Uh, Let me go and bury my father. Let me do that, and then I'm all yours. Uh, Then you've got my full allegiance, okay? Okay. Now, the exact details of what this second man is actually asking for here, uh, I've got to confess, I'm I'm really not sure. I mean, has this man's father just died? Is that it? And so, you know, is he asking for a few days to plan the funeral, attend the funeral, and and after that he will come and follow Jesus? Is that it? Or is it that his father is actually still alive? and, And, well, it's just that this man feels obliged that while ever his dad is, is alive, he feels obliged to stay with him, you know, maybe helping out in the family business or something like that, until he dies and he buries him. And then he'll come and follow Jesus, whenever that might be. Is that it? I'm really not sure of the exact details here. But what is obvious, either way, is, this, is that this man feels a strong obligation to his family and, and to the ex- expectations that they have for him. He wants to be loyal to his family, which is a good thing, isn't it? And so it's really, really quite shocking when Jesus says to this man, no. No. If you really want to follow me, then you come Now, let the dead bury their own dead. Now, the issue here is not that Jesus thinks attending family funerals is wrong. Now, the issue here is that the boat is about to pull away. Jesus is about to leave. So this man has to make a decision now, allegiance to family or allegiance to Jesus. Here we see that Jesus demands that he have first allegiance over and above everything else, even family. So, again, Jesus clearly spells out the huge personal cost that comes to those who would follow him. Read with me from Matthew chapter 8, verse 18. Verse 18. When Jesus saw the crowd around him, He gave orders to cross to the other side of the lake. Then a teacher of the law came to him and said, Teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests. But the son of man, that is himself, has no place to lay his head. Another disciple said to him, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But Jesus told him, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. Well, certainly no fine print here, is there? No hidden terms and conditions. No, Jesus is crystal clear in big, bold letters. Jesus spells out to these men that if they want to follow him, then it will cost them big it will cost them their comfort and security and it will cost them family as first priority and so I can't help but wonder whatever happened to these two men you know, I, wonder, uh, I wonder what decision they made uh, they certainly seemed very keen to follow Jesus didn't they but when push come to shove uh, were they actually willing to give up their comforts were they actually willing to give up any competing loyalty that stopped them from following Jesus? Well, unfortunately, we don't get to find out. Uh, we're not told, uh, we're just left wondering. But I, I do hope that these men were listening carefully to what Jesus said to them. Uh, because if they did, then they would realize that following Jesus doesn't only entail a cost. That there is actually something that Jesus offers in return uh, that far outweighs the cost. Uh, Did you notice? It it was alluded to when Jesus said, follow me and let the dead bury their own dead. You know, what a strange thing to say, don't you think? (laughs) I mean, how do dead people bury dead people? Well, it's because Jesus isn't only talking about physically dead people here, is he? Uh, he's talking about spiritually dead people too. Essentially he's saying anyone that does not come and follow me is spiritually dead. So believe them to bury the physically dead. Which of course implies that Jesus is also saying follow me if you want to live. Follow me if you want spiritual life which, as we all know, in the context of Matthew so far, means life in God's kingdom. A life with God's blessing now as he takes care of our needs. And ultimately, eternal life, a place at the the great heavenly banquet we heard about last week. And so, yes, the cost of following Jesus is very, very high. But then Jesus claims that the prophets, the returns, are extraordinary. That he can give his followers life, spiritual life, life in God's kingdom. Which is all well and good if Jesus can actually deliver on this. If he can actually give this life that he claims. If not, then it would be absolutely stupid to bear the cost of following Jesus. It would be crazy. So then can he? Can Jesus really give this life? Well, let's find out, shall we? Because now the boat is ready to depart. And so in Jesus gets along with his disciples, those who have decided, yes, to bear the cost of following him. They get in the boat and together they sail across the lake. Uh, after a while, Jesus gets sleepy and uh, True to his claim that he has no warm, comfy bed of his own to sleep in anymore, he falls to sleep there in the boat. After a while, a huge storm builds up on the lake and the wind starts to toss this little boat around and the waves start pouring over the side of the boat, it starts filling up with water and the disciples, oh, they are terrified, terrified. Now, you've got to understand that at least three of the disciples there in this boat, uh, we we know, are fishermen. Uh, Fishermen from this very region. I know, you know, no doubt they've been out on this lake hundreds of times before. They know what rough weather is like. And So when we see them terrified here and convinced that they are about to drown, You've got to realise that, humanly speaking, they're right. Humanly speaking, these men on this boat are as good as dead. But that's humanly speaking. In their terror, the disciples go to Jesus, who is still sleeping. And, uh, before, uh, and they go to him and, and they wake him up and they cry out, Jesus, save us, we're all going to drown. Well, Jesus wakes up looks around what's going on before he does anything else he turns to the disciples and he rebukes them not because they've woken him up from from a nice sleep but because they've failed to trust him you have little faith he says to them you such little trust what why are you so afraid and after he rebukes the disciples, he turns and he rebukes the wind and the waves too. And immediately, without hesitation, well, the wind stops blowing and the waves die down. And everything on the lake is calm again. This is extraordinary. So extraordinary that the disciples are left there you know, just to look at one another and ask the question, Who is this man? the wind and the waves obey him. Read with me from verse 23. 23. Then he got into the boat and his disciples followed him. Without warning, a furious storm came up on the lake, so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us. We're going to drown. He replied, You of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. And I guess if the disciples had had the presence of mind at that time to recall, psalm 107 you know the second bible reading we had this morning um, where where god himself is seen calming the storm after the terrified sailors cry out to him maybe if the disciples had recalled that psalm then maybe they would know the kind of man that jesus is uh, the, the god man i think that even in asking the question they're starting to understand but But they're not quite there yet, are they? But what's really interesting here is how, humanly speaking, these disciples were, well, they were as good as dead. But according to Jesus, they had no reason to fear death, no reason at all. All they needed to do was trust him. After all, it wasn't that long ago that Jesus told the disciples that if they followed him, he would make them fishers of men. Do you remember that? So he's not going to let them die. They're going to be fishers of men. not swimming with the fishes. Now they only needed to trust Jesus. Jesus has a mission for these disciples. So of course he's going to preserve their lives, and here we see he's actually able to preserve their lives. Well after a while, uh, the boat pulls up on the other. Shore at the uh, the, uh, at the other side of the lake in in a Gentile region called the Gadarenes, and uh, no sooner does uh, Jesus get out of the boat than he's met by another two men. Uh, This time, two men in the very very bad. They're in bad shape. Uh, These are two men who are demon possessed. Uh, Two men who have had their lives taken away, uh, robbed by demons. These men are as good as dead as well. And so it's appropriate that they even live among the tombs. They are the living dead, if you like. And they're scary. Apparently so violent that no one's been able to pass by this place as long as these two demon-possessed men have been there. They are really, really scary. But interestingly here, it's these scary demons possessing the men who are scared, are scared of Jesus, scared because they they know the kind of man Jesus is, the son of God, the one who on judgment day will cast these demons into hell. And so here are these once terrifying demons now pathetically begging Jesus oh if they drive if he drives them out of these men to let them go into a into a herd of pigs that are feeding on a distant hillside interestingly Jesus grants their request uh, he commands that they come out of the men and he allows these demons to go into the herd of pigs who who apparently are not too happy with this particular situation. And uh, so they run down the hillside where they're feeding, uh, run down into the the lake, and they drown themselves. I'm sure you'd agree, not a a very good day for the demons uh, or for the pigs. But what a wonderful day for those two men uh, who were as good as dead. Essentially, Jesus had brought them from death to life. The demons were gone. No more living among the tombs. Now they could really live because Jesus gave them back their lives. And it's a wonderfully uplifting story, isn't it? Well, at least it would be, except for the way that it finishes. Because certain other men who were there that day uh, looking after the pigs... Well, they see all of this happen. And unsurprisingly, they run back to the town and they tell everyone all about it. They tell them all about Jesus. Uh, They tell them all about the the violent, demon-possessed, tomb-dwelling men who now have their lives back. And, of course, they tell them about, about the pigs too. So in response, everyone in that town, the whole town, comes out to meet with this Jesus, But when they do, they beg him to go away, to leave them alone. Read with me from verse 28. Verse 28. When he arrived at the other side in the region of the Gadarenes, two demon-possessed men coming from the tombs met him. They were so violent that no one could pass that way. What do you want with us, son of God? They shouted. Have you come here to torture us before the appointed time? Some distance from them, a large herd of pigs was feeding. The demons begged Jesus, if you drive us out, send us into the herd of pigs. He said to them, go. So they came out and went into the pigs, and the whole herd rushed down the steep bank into the lake and died in the water. Those tending the pigs ran off, went into the town and reported all this, including what had happened to the demon-possessed men. Then the whole town went out to meet Jesus, and when they saw him, they pleaded with him to leave their region. Oh, what a letdown, hey? What an absolute letdown. I mean, I don't know about you, but they just want to scream through the pages of Scripture here at these people. I ask, what are you doing? Can't you see who this Jesus is? Can't you see his great power and, and his great kindness, too? Can't you see how he gave these, li- these men their lives back? Can't you see how he could give you life too, life in God's kingdom, life without ever having to be terrorised by demons again? Can't you see that? And what? You you want to send Jesus away because he cost you your pigs? Can't you see that he can offer you way more than that? Yeah, what a letdown, hey? But I'm afraid it's on that note that Today's passage ends. And so what have we learnt from all of this? Well, a number of things. Uh, I mean, firstly, we've learnt that, that with Jesus there is no fine print, is there? No, no, Jesus is very, very clear that following him comes at a cost, a high personal cost. It all cost the expectation of comfort and security from the things of this world, and it will cost any loyalty that gets in the way of following him, even, even family loyalty. But we've also learnt that Jesus claims to offer life to all those who follow him, spiritual life, life in God's kingdom. And more than that, we've learned that Jesus is actually able to deliver on this claim, saving the lives of the as-good-as-dead disciples on the, in the storm on the sea. And restoring the lives of the as good as dead demon possessed men on the other side of the lake. We've learned all this, haven't we? And so, friends, as we think about all this, obviously, it all now leaves us, each of us, with a certain obvious question a question that demands an answer. Uh, the question of whether or not you are willing to bear the cost of following Jesus. Because, friends, the fact is we too are called to follow him. Now, of course, I I know that we can't do that in a literal sense anymore, can we? It's not not like we can hop in a boat with Jesus and sail across Sydney Harbour with him or something like that. Uh, we don't follow him in that, that kind of sense anymore, do we? But we are still called to follow him. How is that possible? Well, at the end of Matthew's Gospel, before Jesus ascended to heaven, he called on his first disciples to to go out and and make more disciples for him. Do you remember? To go out and make disciples from all over the world. And at that time, Jesus was very clear how it was to be done. He said, make disciples for me. Teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. Okay, so what does it mean for us to be disciples of Jesus? What does it mean for us to follow him today? Well, it means obeying Jesus' teachings as they are recorded for us by the disciples. It is by obeying what Jesus says to us through the scriptures, by submitting each and every area of our lives to his authority by holding nothing back, by being 100% devoted to him and to his mission in the world as shown to us in the scriptures, in the Bible. So friend, let me ask the question again. Are you willing to bear the cost following Jesus because I don't doubt that all of us here today have some kind of interest in Jesus you know a bit like uh, the great crowd that flocked to Jesus at the beginning of today's story but then Jesus wasn't interested in people who were simply interested in him was he He wanted followers, and it's the same today. Jesus wants followers, people who are actually willing to bear the cost of following him. In other words, people who are ready to put devotion to Jesus before their love of comfort and material ease. Because, friends, there will be times when obedience to Jesus will require you to to give those things up. So, for example, when you adopt a lesser standard of living in order to invest more money into the kingdom of God, choosing the smaller house or the older car, uh, not updating your two-year-old computer... It'll cost. Or when you give up some of your precious, precious free time, and it is precious, isn't it? When you give up that precious free time in order to serve your church family, or you give up that precious, precious free time in order to reach out to non Christians uh, with the gospel, rather than just spending that free time on yourself, it'll cost. Or when you won't take a promotion at work because it'll make it hard to fulfill your role as a godly parent or spouse. Or when you choose to stay at home altogether. It will cost. Or when you sacrifice your precious sleep or TV time or... Or time pursuing your favourite hobby in order to make time for reading God's word and praying. It'll cost. And, And Jesus also wants people who are ready to put devotion to him before love of family as well because there will be times when obedience to Christ might require you to disappoint your family, even to face ridicule or rejection from them. So, for example, when you won't date the non-Christian that your family want to pair you up with, or when you can't be at every family gathering due to church commitments, Or when you won't worship your ancestors along with the rest of your family. Or when you decide to give up the career your parents sacrificed so much to prepare you for in order to serve God in full-time ministry or mission work. Or perhaps more costly... When your child decides to give up the career you sacrificed so much to prepare them for, because they want to serve God in full-time ministry or mission work, it will cost. So again, friend, are you willing to bear the cost of following Jesus? You know, is there something that God is putting his finger on in your heart today. Something that's getting in the road of your full devotion to Christ. Something that's keeping you from wholeheartedly following him. It can be really, really hard to let go of those things we treasure so much, can't it? But then Jesus did not say, Broad is the road that leads to life, and many find it. It's a narrow road we're called to take, and only a few find it. And maybe now we're starting to understand why. So, friend, are you willing to bear the cost? Or like the Gadarene townsfolk with their pigs... Would you rather Jesus just went away, stopped costing you? Friend, before you answer that, don't don't forget that today we've also been reminded of why bearing the cost is so, so worth it, will you? We've seen that Jesus offers us something immeasurably bigger and better than anything we lose in following him. He offers us life. Spiritual life, life in God's kingdom, life with God's blessing now, and eternal life in heaven. And we've seen that he has the authority to actually make good on that claim. It's true. To stay behind is death. But to bear the cost and follow is life. And you know, when we think of it like that, then I reckon we start to see things a whole lot more clearly. I love how the 19th century theologian J.C. Ryle puts it. He says, I grant it costs much to be a true Christian. But who in his sound senses can doubt that it is worth any cost to have the soul saved? When the ship is in danger of sinking, the crew think nothing of casting overboard the precious cargo. When a limb is mortified, a man will submit to any severe operation and even to amputation to save life. Surely a Christian should be willing to give up anything which stands between him and heaven. Friend, what stands between you and heaven? It's time to throw it overboard. What stands between you and the life that Jesus offers you? It's time to cut it off and throw it away. It's time to bear the cost and follow our Saviour. And as you do, remember that soon, and, oh, so very, very soon, we will be in heaven. And then we will see things as they really are. Again, in the words of J.C. Ryle, and, and to conclude this morning. The presence and company of Christ will make amends for all we suffer here below. When we see as we have been seen and look back on the journey of life, we shall wonder at our own faintness of heart. We shall marvel that we made so much of our cross and thought so little of our crown. We shall marvel. That in counting the cost, we could ever doubt on which side the balance of profit lay. Let us take courage. We are not far from home. It may cost much to be a true Christian, but it pays. Let's pray. Our Father, um, we thank you so much for sending Jesus our Saviour. Thank you so much that in him we have true life, life in your kingdom. Our Father, we're sorry for the times we've been unwilling to bear the cost of following Jesus, Please forgive us. Father, we pray that all of that would change from this day on. That we would be willing to put our devotion to Jesus before any comfort or material ease. That we would be willing to put our devotion to Jesus before any competing loyalties, even family. And as we do, Lord, help us to see things clearly now. Help us to never doubt on which side the balance of profit lay. Father, we so look forward to heaven when the struggle will be no more and we will have an eternity of reaping the rewards that come from following Jesus our Saviour now. In his precious name we pray. Amen.